This is the Purpose Church Podcast. We exist to help every person live on purpose. It is our prayer that this message helps you experience God in a brand new way. Hi, good morning, everybody. Glad to see you at church today. Look at your neighbor and say, you look like you've got some wisdom. You look like you got some wisdom. You look like a wise person. Yeah, so good. Yeah, don't go backwards on that. Don't say he needs wisdom. Come on, Annabelle. Proverbs chapter four, verse seven says this. Let's read it out loud all together. One, two, ready, read. Wisdom is supreme, therefore get wisdom. The last couple of weeks, we've been setting a foundation uh, for weeks like today. They're building on each other. Week number three, we're talking about being wise with our words. Being wise with our words. Now, there are some practical things at the end that are gonna be helpful to you. But before we get there, we gotta understand where our unwise words might be coming from. They come from somewhere. Wise words come from somewhere also. But to start out, the verse we just read says, wisdom is supreme, therefore go get it. The Bible's very clear about what wisdom does, including for our speech. Our words can bring great healing or they can bring great harm. And learning to speak is not just something that toddlers have to do. It's something that all of us big toddlers have to do for the rest of our lives. Proverbs 18.21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. The Good News Translation says it this way, what you say can preserve life or destroy it, so you must accept the consequences of your words. Another translation says, words kill, words give life. They're either either poison or fruit, you choose. They're either nourishment or they're poison. Put your hand over your heart, let's pray real quick. Father, would this heart be wide open to what you gotta say today? And may it be your words and not mine. And may the, the words that come from this platform, whether out of your word or the text that's read, would it do something in our hearts that starts a process of us being more connected to you, that we would just take that one next step, whatever that is for us today. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Now I want you to think about the words you said last week. Just real quick, just think about it. You're already thinking about that thing you shouldn't have said. Just think about the words you said last week. Were they words that encouraged or words that discouraged? Were they words that helped or were they words that brought harm? Were they words that were truthful or false? Did they honor or were they flippant? It's important to take inventory because you and I now know the power of our words. Growing up, we heard things like this. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but... Words never hurt me. The, the biggest lie ever told of whoever coined that quote was obviously in need of lots of counseling and hiding from their emotional stability. How false that phrase is. We heard things like, if you don't have anything good to say, hey, we all had the same mama, isn't that? I mean, we all had the same mama. And I've heard this said too, look at this picture. Our words are like toothpaste. Once they're out, they can never be put back in. From early on, you and I have been trained to know the power of our words to bring healing or to bring harm. The Bible says your tongue has the power of life and death. 
And when I think about life and words that are spoken, I think about this file I have in my office. I've got a little filing cabinet and I've carried these things with me every office I've ever had. And it's full of encouraging cards and letters that I've received over the years. These are important to me because sometimes I need to be reminded of what God has done in my life and what I've been called to do through the encouraging words of another person. There is an important message for us today that life can come through our words, but more often than we'd like to admit, death comes through our words. And this is important for us because we live in a very wordy culture today, don't we? It's very wordy. Our words travel further than they ever should. Our words are more accessible than ever before. And they have the potential to stay around forever. Jesus has something to say about these words that we speak in Matthew chapter 12. But I tell you on the day of judgment, people will have to give an account for every careless or useless word they speak. Every careless or useless word. It, look at this, the Greek word there for careless and useless. It's the Greek word argos. It literally means idle or lazy or ineffective. Now it seems these were the words of Christ. It seems that Jesus is saying, yeah, harmful and damaging words you shouldn't say. Like that's a no brainer. You shouldn't just attack somebody. We shouldn't do that. Jesus takes it another step. And he says, yeah, you shouldn't just go off on somebody with harmful or dangerous words, but also your words shouldn't be lazy, idle, or useless, or careless. And that's from our Lord Christ. And he is bringing a sobering to us in this moment. This passage is to wake us up, to cause us to give attention to every word that we speak, write, tweet, post. I don't know if anybody tweets anymore, I don't know. And we need to pay attention because the world, more than anything right now, needs wise speech. In our current political climate, our world needs wise words. In our homes, we need wise speech. In our schools, we need wise speech. Have the words you've been using brought healing or harm? death or life. As a parent, how would you describe the words that you speak to your children? If you're married, how would somebody, if they were an onlooker, describe the way in which you speak to your spouse? How would your children describe the way you speak to that truck that cut you off on I-35 at four o'clock in the afternoon? How would those children, or how would those around you describe your words toward those who are of a different mindset, political party, or viewpoint than you? How would your words be seen, heard, and assessed? And our text this morning reminds us of the power of life and death. Let's read it again. Words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit. They're either gonna kill you or nourish you, you choose. Proverbs has more to say about our words than it does sex, family, and money combined. 
because our words matter. In our conversations, in the break room, words matter. In our emails, words matter. In our text threads, they matter. Our social media matters. Much of the tension in our families, our workplaces, our churches can come from careless, useless, and foolish words. Death and life. This Proverbs is, proverb is thousands of years old, yet remains one of the most relevant pieces of wisdom for all of us. No one in this room could say, I speak perfectly all the time. Nobody can say that because we're all human. And we've all experienced this, right? Where as we're saying it, like, have you felt this? Just feel it for a minute, feel the tension. You're about to say, like, it's coming up from within you, that word that you know. And I'm not talking about cuss words or whatever. That's, that's bottom shelf stuff. I'm talking about, like, the harm you do to someone's soul. Or that's like, like the, it doesn't even have to be a cuss word. I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about, you know you're about to say, you are a beep a dip it's like coming out and you're like you want to grab it but it's out it's out I do it all the time I'm telling you we need wisdom with our words foolish words bring about condemnation foolish words which is the opposite of wise words bring about frustration or even confusion in other people not only us giving out these words, but you and I have all been on the receiving end of hurtful, death-filled words. Everybody in this room, everyone in this room has been on the receiving end of harmful, destructive speech. We all know what it's like to have someone gossip about us, criticize us, judge us unfairly. Just a couple of weeks ago, we had somebody repost our church's sermon. They don't live here. They live in New York State. And their description was, do not listen to these false prophets. Any man who wears skinny jeans and a woman who wears ripped clothes ought not be listened to. And he had all these reasons why we shouldn't be in ministry. We wanted to make sure who this guy was. We looked him up. It's a, the kind of person you would expect to post things like that from someone he's never met before in their life, never been here, doesn't know our church. I have no clue why he was watching our sermon. It was Vision Sunday and Kelly and I were up here together and that was the, the one he chose to post. And, and even though it was some guy we've never met, which by the way, Clyde, if you're listening, uh, we love you, come visit, I'll take you to dinner and we'll talk about all of these things and I won't wear my skinny jeans. So if you're watching Clyde, I got you. even though it was goofy and we laugh it off, the wheels start to spin about, does anyone else think that? Even though it was from a completely uncredible source, it starts this process of thought. And I didn't go very far. We just laughed it off and went into the rest of our meeting. But our tongues have great capacity to be weapons of mass destruction. It's our words that bring about war. It's our words that wound. It's our words that separate people. 
Our words have incredible power. And this proverb should jolt us awake and remind us of what is actually at stake here. Life and death. It's a warning to call us to pay attention. Look at these, uh, a description of death words. Death words label. Death words marginalize. Death words condemn. Death words diminish others. Whenever death words are spoken, everyone is led on a path of destruction. Whoever hears it, they're not exempt. Look at this ancient rabbinic saying, whenever one speaks ill of another, it's as if the person were killing three people. The speaker who perpetrated the evil, the object of the language whose reputation has now been slandered, and the one who listened to the slander and is now an accomplice. Not only are there outside effects of our words and there are outside words that people can hear. What about the inside dialogue? Because the outside attacks are on full throttle, right? The outside attacks, you can't watch the news without somebody making fun of somebody, yelling at somebody, screaming at somebody. Every time you turn on the news, every time you turn on television, every time you scroll through your media, there's something, there's slander. It's an onslaught of slander. We're becoming desensitized to slander as Christians, and we ought not be. Many of us have words that have been spoken inside. So there's all the stuff outside, but what about the stuff inside? If all the stuff on the outside is on full throttle, what about the inside? Many of us have words that have been said to us about us that have been lodged in our subconscious and deep down in our souls, they've got power over us. For some of us, these words have identified us for many years and because we internalize them, they now become the filter through which we hear and see and do. Some of you have had words spoken over you that harmed you, words spoken to you that harmed you. And then some of you speak death to yourself. I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not talented enough. I'm not accomplished enough. Have you ever internalized words like this? And usually it's at a particularly low point in your life because the devil's a coward. He doesn't come when you're feeling good. It's at these low points in our life we begin to say things like this to us or someone said them to us and then we internalize and say to ourselves, like, oh, no, I'm, just, I'm just stupid. Like if I, if I really got it, then I wouldn't be here. Like why would anyone wanna be with me? I wish I could just take all of this back This is why I should be alone, or worse yet, people would be better off if I were not here. And the list goes on and on and on. And these words diminish our lives, and I'm here to tell you that words like that are lies. God speaks a better and a truer word over you today. And those death words are not the last word. Somebody say a big loud amen to that truth. Growing up, we all heard words of life and death. And I remember hearing words like, you're just too skinny. I was this tall, but 100 pounds lighter, if you can imagine. And I blow away in a dust storm. Heard it all the time. Made me very self-conscious about what I wore and how I looked. Heard phrases like, you're gonna have acne like that forever. You're never gonna out, 
grow this. I've got a birthmark on the back of my neck that goes from my shoulders to the top of my head. And, and I forget it's there until one of y'all say something about it. And, and I've heard some, one, some, some people say, man, your girlfriend must have really big lips. Like that's a giant birthmark. My mom said, God kissed me. My dad said, God slapped me. I don't know what was true. But the most harmful things come from people in authority. The most harmful words come from people who are an authority over you. And as a child, I couldn't sit still. And I hated being in rooms without windows. And I still do to this day. I hate fluorescent lights. I, I, can't, I can't stand it. I, the more natural light, the better. And don't put me on an elevator with a bunch of people. I just can't stand it. Like it just, it just drives me a little claustrophobia and a little other something. I still do. And it wasn't until my, my early 30s that a very trusted person in our lives noticed some things about me and said, we need, to, we need to have a conversation. And then that conversation led to many tests and studies and doctors and lots of time and thousands of dollars later, we found out um, that I had undiagnosed adult ADHD, which doesn't sound like a big deal. And you might be thinking, well, that's a kid's thing. You grow out of it. No, just adults do really good with masking it with alcohol. And so we, uh, uh, you can't see an 11-year-old walking around with some shiner at elementary school, all right? So it's, but um, the people in my life uh, that helped me figure that out was very helpful. And, and I thought that I had it under control. And I look back now at my school experience as a child and literally having the inability to sit still. And maybe I've done this to some of you and I don't mean any harm, but if you're talking to me and then I just walk away, that's the H part of the ADHD. I just forgot you were talking and walked away. It's not you, it's me. I completely own it. You matter to me. I'm sorry, send me an email for the rest of what you were saying. But I love you, don't take it personally. But I heard things like this from multiple teachers. What's wrong with you? Literally had a teacher have me stand up on my chair in front of the whole class and say, this is how you should not behave. You need to act like so-and-so. If you can't sit still in this class, Kiker, you're gonna regret it. I don't know what he was threatening, but you shouldn't threaten a child. Had one band director tell me, Landon, you'll never amount to anything because you can't even understand the simplest of tasks. But a timely word, a good word, can come from unexpected places. I had a teacher, her name was Mrs. Palmer. And if you can picture in your eyes what Ursula looks like in The Little Mermaid, that was Miss Palmer. She's gonna be with the Lord, so it's okay. And she was just mean looking all the time and like had tons of bright blue makeup. And like when she closed her eyes, like you realize how much was on there. And just like a scary teacher. But she pulled me out in the hallway one day and was like, Landon, get out in the hallway. And I was like, dang it, did it again. So I get taken out the hallway and she said, Landon, you've got more character in class than anyone in here. Do not let them destroy your soul. A timely good word can change everything for a person. I wonder today what kind of shame you're fighting through. 
because shame is internal, guilt is external. You should feel guilty for some of the dumb things you do. That's normal. You should feel guilty for saying dumb stuff or doing dumb stuff. That's okay. But shame is when you say, that happened because I'm stupid or that happened because I'm this or I'm that. That's different. Shame's internal, guilt is external. And I wonder how many years of shame you've been living with because it took me years to conquer it. Sometimes it rears its ugly head, but there's a power at work that's stronger than the shame. Do you know what it is? It's the gospel. Oh, Landon, that's a Sunday school answer. You just said the Jesus card. No, I'm serious. When we're faced with condemnation and death, where do we turn? We turn to life and grace, which is the gospel. The gospel is just a Greek word, euangelion. It just means really stinking good news. So when we've heard a lot of really bad news, we turn to the really amazing news of the gospel. The death we've received does not have to be the last word. The good news of Christianity is that no matter what you've said and done, Jesus looks at you and says, I still died for you, come with me. Every death word that has been spoken over you has been defeated by the cross of Christ. Every word spoken over you has been defeated by God saying, this is my child. I bought them, they are mine. You are protected and under the covering of Jesus Christ if you've been saved. And those fiery darts of the wicked ought not hit you because you've got the gospel covering you. We declare as people of God, those those death words don't have the last word because Jesus is the word. The Bible says in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. We know that because we've done study and on all of this theology that Jesus was there in the very beginning. Jesus became, the Bible says, word in flesh. Therefore, the word that was speaking, the word, the God man speaks over you, that you are beloved, that you are saved, that you are worth it. You are worth every moment, every tear, every cry, every walk up that hill with the cross, every drop of blood spilled, you were worth it. So what those teachers said, what they said to you, what they did to you is not the definition of you because you are defined as a child of God. Somebody say amen to that. That's how it happened to Jesus before Jesus ever performed a miracle, before he ever turned water into wine. God came down from heaven, split the clouds and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Jesus hadn't done anything except for make really nice tables for people. He hadn't done anything yet. But God looked at him and said, I am pleased. And then right after those words of affirmation from his father came, what happened? Immediately, next chapter, the devil takes him up in an isolated place. So that's a whole other sermon. If you're isolated right now and in a small group, bad idea. Get in a small group, plug over. So Jesus is isolated, devil takes him up on a mountain and then he starts to say, if you're the son of God, if that's true, if you got saved, if you're actually a Christian, even though you're wearing a dream team shirt, if that even matters. And then every time the devil said something, Jesus refuted it with the words from his father and the devil had to run. That is our model. That's our model. So I had to give you that foundation because guys, I can give you three quick little ways for some, to, to say nicer things when you're in a fight with your spouse. I could give you little tips and tricks, but none of that matters if you don't have a foundation of the gospel, which is where wisdom comes from. We read in week number one that wisdom comes only from God. 
never Google. <laughs> Ever. Knowledge can come from Google. Wisdom only comes from God. In order to know God, we've got to receive Jesus, okay? So that theological foundation leads us to how do we become wise with our words? How do we become wise with our words? Now that we know what the Father's spoken over us, now that we know that the words that were said to us, about us, are over us, no longer define us, and you're gonna have an opportunity at the end of the service today to come down and receive prayer. There were dozens of people that came down first service and began to lay these death words at the altar and leave them here. And you can do it too here in just a little bit. But now that we know all of that, there are three proverb principles on how to become wise with our words. And these are timeless truths that are never gonna go away. So three proverb principles on becoming wise with our words. Number one, talk less, listen more. Somebody say amen. Y'all quit nudging your spouse, you bunch of rude people. Talk less, listen more. Proverbs 10, 19 says, when there are many words, wrongdoing is unavoidable. But one who restrains his, lip, restrains his lips is wise. Now that is a very nice translation. So I have other ones for you to read to you. Good news translation. The more you talk, the more you're likely to sin. If you're wise, you'll keep quiet. Let's go a little further. New Living Translation gets a little snarky. Too much talking leads to sin, so be sensible and keep your mouth shut. All of it says the same thing, whether it's a translation or a paraphrase. You get the picture. The more we talk, the Bible says, the more likely we are to dig the sin hole deeper. The more we talk, the more likely we are to sin. And you're like, Landon, what is the connection here? Guys, it is a biblical fact that the more we try to talk ourselves into it or out of it, the more likely we are to move forward in our own wisdom, which will always lead to death. The less we talk, the better we do. You ever been in a room with someone who just won't stop talking? And you can walk into the conversation and there's like 10 people and you can see it in their eyes. They're like, they just, they just look like they're, they, they just have like been so hurt, so wounded. And this person just keeps beating them with words. And it's not even mean words. It's just death by a thousand cuts. You just keep talking and talking and talking. You can't even get a word in, you know, but we've all done it. And we've all made promises we can't keep. We've all said things we later regret. We've all crossed the line. And in our technologically advanced world, our words live longer than we ever wanted them to. And to live out this proverb principle requires a couple of things. It requires you to have daily silence with God. A contemplative life is the only way you're gonna be able to withhold your words in the presence of people. Because if you don't know God and you don't understand salvation, then you're living in your own wisdom. But I can tell you this, every time I've submitted my time to God and brought things to his attention, like he didn't already know, but I brought these things to his attention. I'm like, God, what do I need to do with this meeting? What do I need to do with this person? What do I need to do with this situation? Every time I stop talking and listen, 
there's a download of what I need to do. And every time I have forced an issue in my own wisdom, people got hurt. And you and I need to understand that the more we talk, the more we hurt. And there's a direct correlation there. Look what Plato said. Wise men speak because they have something to say. Fools speak because they got to say something. (laughs) Isn't that true? Have you ever heard someone speak and then they start talking and then the room gets quiet? You ever been in the presence of someone like that? One of our overseers on the board of overseers of this church uh, is Pastor Jackie White at Church on the Rock in Lubbock. And, he, <laughs> and when he starts a sentence, he always goes, well, and he's been in ministry for like 50 something years. And it just, but when he says the word, well, everybody gets quiet because you know what's coming after the well is real good. Well, and everybody gets quiet and they're like, what's coming next? And sometimes it'll be like, I'm hungry. (laughs) And sometimes it's like a word straight to your soul. Wise people talk less and listen more. Number two, it's a big one. When you're angry, wait. (laughs) Wait to speak. It's the best marriage advice you'll ever get. When you're angry, don't talk. And if you are gonna talk, say, I love you, but I need time. That's the only thing you should say. Proverbs 29, 11, a fool always loses his temper, but a wise person holds it back. The Good News Translation says it this way, stupid people express their anger openly, but sensible people are patient and hold it back. The word express is the Greek word for sends forth all of their spirit. So what that means is something triggers you and you go on an unrestrained anger rant. Like you know there's certain people, if you say the word China, it's over for 30 minutes. You know there's certain people, if you say the word chump and they thought you said Trump, it's over for 30 minutes. There's this unrestrained anger that has not been submitted to Christ. And then they talk so long, they dig a sin hole and end up in worse condition than before. The Bible's very clear. A fool does that. Stupid people do that. Don't do that. I love how practical the Bible is. Don't do that. Sometimes we need minutes. Sometimes we need hours. Sometimes we need days. Sometimes we need years. There was something Kelly and I walked through six years ago that was so close to us that it cut the deepest we've probably been cut in our lives. And it took us about two years, three years to even have a conversation with those people because I knew if I say anything, I'm gonna go off. I'm not ready. It took a lot of time. And then there are some times where someone will say something like the next day, you're like, hey, that really ticked me off. And then you're like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean that. Okay, cool, let's go somewhere. That's like a little cut. But what about when it cuts deep? There's time for anger. Anger was created by God. And sometimes we wonder why he did that, right? But anger actually brings about justice when it's healthy anger. 
Anger that holds hands with offense corrupts our soul. Because here's the truth. Much of our speech does not come from a place of reflection. It comes from a place of reactivity. And there's a time for healthy anger. It was created by God. But unrestrained, thoughtless, unsubmitted anger is like a sharpened dagger. Have you recently said something in anger that you regret? Have you snapped at your kid? Yelled at your spouse? Had an online opinion rage? God isn't saying run from anger, but submit it. Submit it. Think through it and ask him for wisdom on that emotional trigger and why it's there. I had a talk with somebody recently, and they don't go to this church, so I'm not spilling anybody's tea, but they were talking to me about how they hate to be late. And I, and I don't like to be late either. I think it's rude, but it's not like a, I'm not gonna have a meltdown if I'm late. And this person was like wound up tighter than an eight-day clock. Like they just couldn't, they're like gonna explode. One thing goes wrong. And I was like, well, dude, why are you so angry about that? And they're like, I just think it's rude. To be on time is to be late. To be early is to be on time. I'm like, I get it. Grandpa said that. I understand. But why do you hate to be late? Because I think it's rude. No. And we started talking about that all anger is rooted in some kind of fear. He's like, no, I don't believe that. I'm like, tell me about it. Because if we're late, then the people that are there will begin to think less of me. I was like, okay, and we're getting somewhere. And if they start to think less of me, then I lose my status with these people and they're all I've got. So what looked like, I just don't wanna be late. is like, if, if I don't perform, then I've got no one. It was a fear of being abandoned without perfect performance. Anger was rooted in fear. So what gets you the most angry? And I'm not talking about like Jesus angry, like, you know, when people were being abused in the temple and he started turning over tables and hitting people with whips. I'm not talking about that kind of angry. That's Jesus angry. I'm talking about when your kid disrespects you, why do you get so angry? When you get embarrassed, why do you get so angry? What are you afraid of? And you're never gonna know if you don't take time to sit and think about it and ask God why. So when you're angry, just wait. If you want to see unrestrained anger, go to a school board meeting. Lots of fools with a microphone. But a wise person can change the world with a few words. So if you're angry, just wait. And the last thing, choose your timing very carefully. Choose your words and your timing. Proverbs 15, 23, a person finds joy in giving an apt reply. And how good is a timely word? Message paraphrase says, the right word at the right time. Beautiful. Too often I'm more concerned with getting my point across than listening to God and asking, should I say that right now? Should I say that right now? Have you ever heard someone start a sentence saying, I'm just saying, Like that's a pass to be dumb after that. Like it's not a pass. Well, I'm just saying, and then cue foolish discourse. Like we we have these things, like, like, like the world is better for our point of view. It's not. The world is better when we are completely submitted to Christ and we allow him to use our voice with wisdom.
Because if we give the wrong word at the wrong time, we destroy. But have you ever, did you know that you can give the right word at the wrong time? Our words are to be timely. Which leads me to think, how can I give a timely, wise word from heaven without prayer or conversation with other wise people? Is that possible? The answer is no. The biblical answer is absolutely not. And a lot of us are just walking around shooting from the hip all of these little quips that you read on a meme somewhere. And we're just shooting out foolish memes, degrading our intellect in the process because you've been addicted to your screen. So we've got degradation of mental capacity shooting off foolish words. What could go wrong? But what about when we are in the word and we know God and he's using our mouth? May this church be full of people who change their neighborhoods because they are a place of wisdom, not foolishness. May we be wise with our words and timely with our words. And we're not gonna get it right every time, but we're gonna be better tomorrow than we were yesterday. So look at all three of them up on the screen. We've got talk less, listen more. When you're angry, wait. And then choose your words and your timing. So where do you need to become wise with your words? Where do you need to become wise? Where is it hitting you? Where do you need to become wise with your words? Maybe for some of you, it's in the home. You're just unrestrained. I I literally had a man tell me, my home is my home. I will not watch my mouth in my own home. And, And I felt like my wise words at that moment were just to be as equally as equally abrasive. And I said, then you're stupid. But he stayed on my couch in my office and listened. I said, you're stupid. The Bible calls you stupid for saying that. The Bible, Jesus just called you stupid. That's how I counsel people. So if you want counseling from me, <laughs> it's what you're gonna get. And then we dug into Proverbs and said, the Bible says that's foolish and destructive and harmful. Is that really what you want for your family? And then he broke. There was this machismo attitude that came from grandpa and dad and it broke in his generation. Isn't that good? Now the children are going to be living in, a, in a, an emotionally healthy home because the truth of God's word came to the situation. A wise word came and brought healing. And I just wonder, I wonder what you need to do with this word today. And I have no agenda of trying to lead you anywhere specific. I just wanna ask you these questions. Some of you need to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You've never done that. And if you were raised Catholic and sprinkled as a baby, that's great. You basically got dedicated That baptism meant nothing. That was just for your parents. You were dedicated back to the Lord. That's great, but that has nothing to do with your salvation. That's just a tradition. So baptism is not correlated to salvation. I feel like somebody needs to hear that today. And so some of us though, have never as an adult made Jesus Christ the Lord of our life. And understanding 
wisdom comes from knowing the wise one. The only way we do that is by making Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior and walking from there. So when we do our prayer time here in a minute, that's some of you, you need to come down to the front and give Jesus Christ your life. Another group of you, you need to hear some healing words. The words that you hear every day are in your mind are so destructive that you're worthless, that you're ugly, that you'll never amount to anything. The words that people have said to you and spoken over you have been the death words that have defined you, but no longer because the gospel speaks truth and a better word over you today. The prayer partners will be here to speak a true word over you. And maybe some of us need to come down and ask for forgiveness for our careless and useless and idle and lazy words. And maybe some of us need to even ask forgiveness for the harmful, damaging words that we said and we said it on purpose. And the guilt that you've been carrying for the things that you've said has defined you for too long. It's time to shed the weight and allow the Holy Spirit to heal. So no matter what person you are, if you need to ask Jesus for forgiveness and make him your Lord and Savior, or you need to come down and forgive somebody who spoke death words over you, or you need to come down and be forgiven for the words that you've said, no matter which group you're in, the altar will be open for you. I'm gonna ask you all to stand. I ask the ushers uh, or, or the prayer partners to come down to the front and get in position to receive God's people for prayer. Do not let this day pass you by. You're at the purpose church. We believe that things are done on purpose. You did not come to an elementary school cafeteria accidentally. You are here on purpose to hear this purposeful word from God's word that was written on purpose for someone who is created on purpose. So do not leave this room today holding on to the death words and the baggage you walked in here with. Allow God to heal you. Allow God to speak a truer word over you today. And these people are here to pray the prayer of faith for you and over you. There's communion on the sides right here in these little black tables. You can grab a communion cup. They can take communion with you if you want. They can lead you through it or you can go back to your chair, take it with your family, whatever you want to do. You're remembering the sacrifice of Christ, which is the foundation of all the wisdom we receive from God. It starts with knowing God and the only way we know God is through the sacrifice of Christ. A new thought life can start today. Freedom from those things that someone said over you in sixth grade can start today. And sometimes, can I, can I say this? Sometimes there are words that are spoken over us by people who meant something good. It was well-intended, but it didn't land that way. Someone might have said something over you and it, and it just defines you. I know I heard words like, oh, you're just too much. You're just too much. And what they were, they were joking like, dude, you need to chill. But what it said to me was something different. So maybe it was something that was said by people that you love, but it stuck. It's time to submit it today at the altar. And we know that biblically an altar is where things go to die. 
So let's let those words of death come here and die today. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you want to lift your hands to the Lord and surrender in this moment before we open the altars and before the band starts to sing and play, God, we surrender completely to you. And in this moment, we ask for the Holy Spirit, the peace of the Holy Spirit to flood this room. And that anything that's trying to hold us back from this miracle moment of progress would the voice of the enemy be silenced and the voice of the liar and the accuser be silenced right now in Jesus' name. And would every person who's walked in with death words walk out with life words spoken over them and their family and their future in Jesus' name. Because Jesus came to give us hope and a future. He doesn't have plans to harm us, but to give us a future full of hope. And may joy come back to our marriages, joy come back to our homes, starting today, because words of death no longer define, but God's word, God's wisdom, those words define us. And God, for those things that we've said, we need to ask for forgiveness from, would you begin to speak words of wisdom into us as we spend time with you, that our words that come out of our mouths, in our marriages, to our children, in our workplaces, in those school board meetings, to our teachers, would they be words of godly wisdom? And God, forgive us for all of the regurgitated talking points we've downloaded from the internet. And may the words of wisdom that bring healing and prosperity and joy flow from our mouth like a river. And may it start today in moments like this, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Church Podcast. If God used this message to impact your life, Tell us your story by emailing mystory@thepurposechurch.com. Be sure to follow us on social media and check out our website at thepurposechurch.com to get connected and receive all the latest information.